I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are talking with Natalie Barbu, content creator since 2011. She's someone that I follow on YouTube, which is really fun for me. She's the host of the Real Real podcast and founder and CEO of Arella, a new all-in-one social media management tool for influencers launching this fall. Natalie, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me and for that lovely introduction. I feel like I pronounced your last name strange. It's Barbu. You said it right. Yes, okay, you said it totally fine. So many people are like, is it Barbo, Barbu? I'm like, just Barbu. You're good. <laughs> now I can sleep tonight and not, not go to sleep. Like, why did I see the name? Why did I do that? No, you said it perfectly. <laughs> um, so Natalie, as you know, we start every episode off with your rosebud and thorn, something that's going well right now, something you're looking forward to, and something that feels a little bit prickly. What yeah. are yours? No, I love this. Um, so I would say that my rose is that I actually got to speak with uh, a class at UNC this week. So I was I'm actually visiting my sister right now, but it's because I was invited to speak at an entrepreneurship class. So that was fun because I'm only a few years out of college. So being able to now come back and be a speaker and kind of semi-teach a class was really surreal and was really fun. And I got to speak about Rella. So mm-hmm. that was definitely a highlight of my week. Yeah, that sounds so fun. It's like weird when you have those moments, you're like, wait, I'm the one that comes back. And like, I remember those people in school who would come in and I would feel so inspired by them. It's a, it's, I bet it's a strange moment to be like, oh, that's me now. It is. It's super, super strange, but it honestly was so cool. And then I would say my bud is, I mean, just Rella launching, like getting very excited for the launch Mm -hmm. of Rella. Um, It's supposed to be coming out in November and it's just so surreal because it's like my baby and we've been working on this for so long and to have it go out in the public, it's like not something that I'm used to. So Mm -hmm. I would say that that is my bud for sure. And then my thorn, I'm trying to think what my thorn is. I guess this is something a little more simple and maybe more trivial, but I've been breaking out a lot this week. So I would say that that is my thorn. Um, The fact that (laughs) I've been just like breaking out, my cheeks have acne on them. I don't understand why. So that would be my thorn this week. Oh, that's the worst when you're, especially as a content creator, because you're like putting your face on things all the time. It is hard Mm -hmm. to be... Like, I'm I'm like looking at it all day long. Right, exactly. So it's just frustrating. I'm like, I'm 25. When is this going to (laughs) stop? I I feel you. Um, So can you, can you just give us your story? Because 2011 content creation, like it was a different world then. Mm -hmm. And I imagine you were much younger. Like, where did you start? Why did you start? And then how have you come to where you are now? Yeah, it's been a very long journey. 2011 compared to today on social media is like not even comparable. When I started on social media, I was on YouTube. So that was my form of social. That was actually the only thing I was on, I think. Maybe I was also on like Twitter at the time, but maybe just for like friends, not not anything seriously. And on YouTube, I just started watching these girls like put on makeup and do makeup tutorials and give like room tours and hauls. And I fell in love with it. I was like, wait, this is so fun. Like these girls look just like me. 
I'm, I feel like we're the same age. We, we have the same interests. I felt very, um, like they were very relatable to me. And so because they were relatable to me, I was like, I can do, I can do this too. And I was just bored one day and I was like, okay, I have a camera on my laptop. Let me sit down and film a YouTube video. And this was super weird back then. Like picture 2011. I mean, Instagram's not even really a thing at this point. Mm -hmm. So like no one put no one is putting themselves publicly on the internet. Mm-hmm. It's the very early ages of like Twitter, Facebook, where really you're only following your friends. And so to put yourself out there on the internet and like follow random people and watch people you don't know and like interact with people you don't know was virtually unheard of. So at this age, like I, I tried to keep it a secret for so long, you know, I like didn't want people from my school to know. I didn't even tell my parents at first, like I was really trying to keep it hidden and eventually obviously people found out and I was like got made fun of and stuff for doing it but it's changed so much now and like I just kept at it like I just continued Mm -hmm. to like pivot with the times of social media you know like you evolve you do different trends my channel is not at all what it started like I don't I barely film makeup videos anymore I don't really film fashion videos besides like the occasional haul like it's changed so much and it just evolved with like the times. So I would say that it is not not even comparable to what it was back then, but I just started out of like boredom and because I found girls that did it relatable. And I'm so thankful for that decision. Like I always say that decision that my 15 year old self did and 10 years ago was like the best decision of my life. Like I'm so thankful for her. (laughs) So I'm just so, so grateful that I stuck with it. It is wild to think about you being 25 and having a 10 year long career already. It is actually. Yeah. I've never really thought about it that way. I guess because when I started YouTube, it was like a hobby. It wasn't like I was jumping into a career. Like I didn't, that's not what I had thought of, even though I was. Um, But it is actually wild. Like I can't imagine my life without YouTube, especially because I film my life. So it's like one and the same. (laughs) Yeah. I was curious. So you've talked, you told me kind of like in our pre questionnaire that you're an Enneagram three. Yes. Yes. I, I think that being an Enneagram three, it's like actually one of the hardest types to be on the internet because there's just so much there. Like, I don't, I don't know how familiar you are with the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. I, I know the, uh, the threes really well. So okay, I, perfect. I know what I am. Yeah. <laughs> um, How do you feel like kind of that three energy has played in for you, like ways that has supported you, but also ways that it's you've had to kind of work with it to support yourself? I mean, I know that the threes and you can also jump in and correct me Mm -hmm. if I'm wrong, but it's like very ambitious and like cares about success a lot. Is that a good way of saying it? Yeah. So I definitely feel that weight on me. Like I feel I'm so much harder on myself than anyone else is on me. Like I am my harshest critic. I am the person that is the most hard on myself. I'm the one that is, you know, I feel like I deal with imposter syndrome a lot and kind of like at an all-time high, I feel like, especially lately. So I would say that that is where I struggle with it because even if I'm doing something well, I don't give myself the credit. So similar to like how you said, it's crazy that you had a 10 year career and you're 25. Like, I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't view it that way. You know, I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my God, I've been on YouTube 10 years and I haven't like, this is, I'm only at this amount, you know? So it's like, it's so interesting hearing different ways of describing it. And it's not always like that, that way with me, but I would say because I am very success driven and like goal driven, it's a good thing and a bad thing. Like it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. I I feel like when I think about 
when I like empathize with the three, I always feel the most empathy for the idea that like your job is never done. Like, cause there is no, there's no destination that you get to where you feel like you finally made it because there's always more that you could do. Mm-hmm. No, a hundred percent. Like you, you've said it better than I've ever explained it, but it's never off. And there's always more. So even with like YouTube, for example, I film a lot of my life. And so when I'm filming my life, like there's no off period, you know, like not sure. I do not film everything. Like I film like 10%, like if that, you know, I, it's not like I put my whole life out there, but what I am filming is my life. So I, it's never like fully off. And even on social media, like if I'm just like posting a quick story, like it's never fully off. Like I, I always have to think about how that, you know, represents my brand, if you will. So yeah, it's, it's, you never really have time off. You never th- turn your brain off to work. And especially now with Rella and like being an entrepreneur, that's like, you have a never ending to-do list. So the day never feels like that accomplished. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to like celebrate your wins. Yeah. So I actually, so I have this like little baby YouTube channel that I started as like a hobby of just like another way to, to, I don't know, just do the things that I don't get to do over here. And I found even in my small YouTube, like my little tiny universe that I was like filming self-care days thinking like, oh, I'm going to have this big luxurious self-care day. And you're like, oh wait, this is not self-care. Like filming a self-care day is not having a self-care day. Oh, totally. Yeah. Because you have to get the shots right. And you have to make sure like you have to think of the shot list and what you're filming. And then you have to think about how long this is going to take to edit. And like, do I have enough content? Like, do I need to do something else to, to make this video like a 12 minute video? Like, (laughs) yeah, 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 it is. And don't get me wrong. Like I love what I do. Like I am obsessed with my job. I think that I have the best job in the world. I would literally never trade it for anything. So there's a lot of also joy in what I do. So even though it's never off, it's not like it's like a dreadful day every single second, you know, because I feel like some people at work are like, oh, I hate what I'm doing. So like every second is dreadful. Even Mm -hmm. though I'm working, I really do love what I do. So it's not like I'm always like, oh my God, I don't want to work anymore. But it is that like feeling in the back of your head that like you aren't off, you know, you don't really feel that satisfaction of like turning yourself off and like not working. Yeah. I think I had someone say to me one time, like every job sucks. And I am like a natural optimist and pessimism is kind of like a difficult thing for me at times. And so when they said that I kind of bristled and then it's actually maybe one of the most optimistic things anyone's ever said to me. Cause it's like, if every job has the thing about it, that sucks, that means that I can really appreciate the fact that I picked the kind of suck that is mine. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like opposite of if you love what you do, you never have to work a day in your life. Like it's like that mm-hmm. every job sucks is like the contradiction to that, which to me, I completely agree. Like I hate the saying, um, if you love what you do, you never have to work a day in your life because I'm like, that makes people think that like, oh my God, like maybe I, I'm not doing what I love. Like I need to pick another job and then I'll be happy mm-hmm. You know, because every job, no matter how amazing it is, has downsides. Like every single one has downsides. So if you tell people that, oh, well, if you don't love what you do, or if you feel like you're working, then you just don't love what you do. It's like gives this people a sense that they're never going to be content. Yeah. It's kind of like the same. It's like kind of like the job equivalent of saying, if you love, like if you're in the right relationship, it'll just be easy. 
Yes. Yes. Like, no, relationships are hard. Yes. Yeah. It's like, no, don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, they, they should be easy at some point, but like that don't like break up your first fight or don't like throw in the <laughs> towel. Like when one thing goes wrong, like that's not what that means either. Yeah. Oh. Um, okay. So I'm kind of going to pivot on this a little bit. I am curious as someone who's kind of been doing content creation and content creation kind of has this magical thing about it where you make something, you put it out there and you get immediate feedback. And sometimes that's a, you know, that for better or worse, you get immediate feedback, you know. And I found that like as a content creator, doing long form projects is much scarier than just putting myself out there every day. Because it's like, I'm making this thing, I'm, I'm working on it, I'm putting all of this, all of my time and energy into it. And I won't know what people think until it's done months down the road, years down the road. And you've just taken on like a very big long form project in this system that you've made, this tool that you've made. Mm -hmm. How do you feel? Yeah. I mean, you said it perfectly. It's really scary because right now it's perfect because we've been working on it. You know, it's like, oh, like it's so fun. Like we've been working on our app and like no one else has seen it. So we don't have that like external judgment on it. Um, like obviously I'm not saying like, oh, it's perfect. There's nothing wrong with it, but you know, we haven't given it to the world. So it's really scary to, to see, because like you said, we've spent a year working on this. And so if it, if we bring it out there and it's like, mm, this sucks, it's like, okay, great. Like, did we just waste a year of our lives? Which I, I know that that's not the case because if anything, like if you get that, it sucks, that can be like great feedback because then you just like know what you can improve on. So I, that's like the way that we're choosing to like look at this launch. But I mean, it is really scary because yeah, with a video, I upload a video and like people tell me if they like the content or not. And then, okay, I spent like two hours editing. I still got the views. I won't do it again. Like, mm -hmm. this is different. <laughs> this is um something that we've spent a lot of money on. It's something that we've spent a lot of time on. Um, I mean, we're it's it's really, really scary to put it out in the public and like after we have spent all this time on it. There were never like iterations that we released. Like, yeah, we did surveys and like market research and we told people what was going to be on it. And like, would you use this feature? Would you use this? But it's mm -hmm. different when people actually like have it in their hands. So um, it's super scary. And I think you said it, you said it really well. Can you tell me a little bit about kind of why you chose to make Rella, what it does, how it works? Yeah. So what Rella is, it's going to be an all-in-one social media management app for influencers. So our first version is releasing in November and it's going to be a management tool where you can manage and organize all of your platforms in one place. So especially for content creators that work with brands that have um, a lot of different platforms that they're you know trying to be consistent on every single week, it's perfect for them. It's perfect for the micro-influencer, for the influencer that is trying to have something to organize their all of their platforms. So that's what Rella's first version is going to be. We're going to be slowly increasing the features and like adding features, I should say, where we bring on brands and brands are going to be able to interact with the influencers and, you know, form relationships with them and bring campaigns to them and brand deals and stuff like that. And we're going to have like advanced analytics where you can really understand your analytics across all platforms, not just, you know, individual platforms. So I, we're super excited about it. I mean, the first version is going to be a very, very basic version, but as it grows, it is going to be the only tool an influencer is going to need to run their business. And I had this idea because 
I was, I mean, I've been a content creator for 10 years and I was still using like a million applications to run all my platforms. You know, like I have Planoly for my Instagram. I have ClickUp for uh, my podcast. I have, um, what else do I have? I have like, I've tried later before and I didn't like it. Like I've, I've Mm -hmm. tried so much, so many different things. And like, I never fell in love with any of them. And I just had like a million logins. I didn't know the passwords to any of them. I was, you know, I just felt so inefficient. So then I just resorted to using like ClickUp and like Google Calendar, which aren't made for social media. So Mm -hmm. it adds a layer of like inefficiency there. So that's when I was like, can I just like make something like Google Calendar and ClickUp, but for social media and like have it be optimized for social media. And then I want this to be the only tool people use. So for micro influencers, let's introduce brands. Like we're going to have all the influencers on here. We're going to have their analytics. We're going to have like them be able to like export a media kit right away. Let's make it even easier for them and have brands come to them like through Rella and actually get like a proper response rate. Because I I had worked with brands before on the other side of things, like helping them find influencers, helping them with influencer marketing campaigns. And I remember thinking like, this is so hard to find influencers. Mm -hmm. One, they either don't respond. I have to ask them for screenshots of their analytics, which is just so annoying. Like, why can't I just see that before Mm -hmm. even reaching out to them? Because sometimes you'll reach out to an influencer and then you'll see their analytics and you're like, oh, never mind. Like, I actually don't want to work with you because... Maybe you're like, you don't have as many, you don't have as big of a reach as I thought you did. Like you have a lot of followers, but like not that many people are are engaging with your stuff. So there's just so much that goes into it. And there's so much inefficiency in the influencer industry right now, like as a business. And I think Mm -hmm. it's because it started as a hobby for so many people that like it's taken time for like the, for tools and platforms to adopt it as like a full-fledged business for creators, not just for like brands. So that's kind of where the idea of Rella came. And that's like what Rella is. Wow. Your description of like having tried all of these apps is the same as mine. Like I, I feel like, so a lot of times when people talk about the Enneagram, they're like, it feels like you've like read my journal. That's how I feel about when you describe. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> like, that's so good. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It feels like you're like, you've just like watched me try to like figure out all these apps and you're like describing it back to me. Cause it is like, it's like things get close, but they're not quite there. Right. And I do, I ended up, I ended, ended up um, hodgepodging mine with like Airtable and Google Calendar. Yeah, that's what I do with like ClickUp or Google Cal, you know, and like, it's not made for social media. And don't get me wrong, I love Google Calendar. So that's why we're like, syncing it with Google Calendar. So Mm -hmm. you can still see your stuff on Google. um, In case you want to see like a holistic view with like your day, like what you have planned on Google Calendar, you won't see Google Calendar on, on Rella, but you'll see like all of your Rella stuff on Google Calendar if you choose to turn that feature on. Amazing. And I honestly like can't think of a better person to make an efficient tool for influencers than like an influencer who is an Enneagram three because Enneagram threes are incredible at efficiency. Um, So I imagine you're like right in your zone of genius. Yeah. Thank you. And it's funny because, so I went to school for industrial engineering and so industrial engineering is like all about making things more efficient. So it's also like, (laughs) I'm like, wait, I don't really use my degree, but like, I guess this kind of helps. Yeah. That is so interesting to have was the, was your degree just kind of like your area of interest at the time? Um, it was and it wasn't. I just wanted to get a degree that had like a good job outcome. You know, I wanted to have like mm-hmm. a high paying job and I wanted to be able to find a job out of college right away because I knew that I was always going to start some business one day. I always knew I was going to like 
end up starting my own business. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know when it would be. I didn't know if it'd be when I'm 40 or when I'm 22. Like I had no idea, but I just figured like my degree is not going to matter that much. So I want to get something where I can like get a job out of college, get skills, like make connections and then like I'll do my own thing. So I, I never put like that much pressure on my degree, but I always wanted it to be like something that would set me up for success, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, do you, so then when, tell me when you started your podcast and kind of like your vision for what the podcast can be in addition to the YouTube, like kind of why, which, how you decide which content goes where? Yeah. So that's actually one of the hardest things about being a content creator across platforms, I think is figuring out how to differentiate yourself on every single platform because you can't post the same stuff everywhere or else like no one's going to care, you know, like no one's going to watch the same thing five different times in five different formats. So my podcast, I actually started in 2018, no, 2019. Yeah. I started in 2019, um, my podcast, and it was because I had started listening to podcasts with um, a ton of different entrepreneurs. And I realized I was like, I really love these episodes, but like, there's no podcasts out there that I, that I found at the time that were interviewing more like, quote unquote, normal people and like asking them about, you know, just like how they got to where they were, but then also even if they're in like the middle of growing something, like I wanted to have them on to, to talk about like those like growing pains and like how they're planning on getting to where they are. So don't get me wrong. I want to have like obviously successful CEOs and like founders of companies, but I honestly, my favorite guests are the ones that are people that are like newly doing it or like trying to do it because they're in the weeds, you know, like when you've founded a company and you're like 10 years out, you forget what it's like to start. And like, you know, no one can blame you. Like when you ask me about the beginning of my YouTube channel, like I can tell you what it was like from a distance now, you know, like I don't really remember every detail. Mm -hmm. So I, that's why I wanted to start the real, real to talk about like the real stuff about like just starting a business, being entrepreneurial, being an influencer, whatever interested me in different jobs too. It's not only entrepreneurship, even though I've kind of like shifted towards that way, but just like real jobs. Like I was like, I want to get in the weeds of it and find out like the real, real, not like what you see on social media. So that's how I came up with it. That's why I came up with it. And it was similar. I mean, it's such a similar reason to why I started my YouTube channel. It was like, I listened, I liked it, and I wanted to start one myself. It's like, mm -hmm. I watched YouTube videos, I liked them, and I wanted to do it myself. So that's kind mm -hmm. of like the same reason why I started my podcast, but just years later. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I did I read on your information that it's kind of like a play on the highlight reel? Like instead of the highlight reel, you're getting like the real reel? Yes. So that's like our little <laughs> slogan. Like it's social media is your highlight reel. This is the real reel. So that's where I, I got the name. That. I love that so much. Today's podcast is brought to you by Bombas. When it comes to my socks, they have got to be comfortable. And Bombas socks are the most comfortable that I have ever worn. Now that is just one reason why I love them though. Yes, their socks are great, but also when you purchase Bombas socks, you are doing good. So for every Bombas item you buy, they donate an item to those experiencing homelessness, which is an issue that is near and dear to my heart. Bombas started by making socks after learning that they're the number one most requested item in homeless shelters. Then they started making underwear and shirts too. 
Bombas socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft and made to last. With their 100% happiness guarantee, they are confident that you will be back with your Bombas products or your money back. From fabric to fit to feel, Everything Bombas makes is made to feel good on everyone. Now, I picked out no-show socks because here is the deal. This is the ultimate test for me. I think there's something weird about my feet. Like, I'm confident that there's something weird about the heels of my feet that, like, they just do not hold up no-show socks. I've never had a pair of no-show socks that do not slip into the bottom of my shoe every single time. At one point, I remember being in Paris on the street and my socks were so far into my shoe that I had to like stop and take the socks off. I went and bought another set of socks right then and there that were just like, I'm dad socking it. Like my socks are gonna show, like I can't do it. I can't be cute. I can't wear tennis shoes and be cute is the story that I have. So I was like, if Bombas is where it's at, then their no-show socks are gonna work on me. And my friends, they do. I've worn them in the airport. I've worn them walking around LA and Fun fact, no slippage yet. So they're so soft, so comfortable, and they actually stay on my feet. And get this friends, thanks to Bombas customers, they've just donated their 50 millionth clothing item. That's 50 million brand new pairs of socks, underwear, and shirts given to those in need. There is so much more comfort to have and so much more to give with Bombas. Go get 20% off your first order at bombas.com slash egram. That is B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash egram for 20% off your first order. Bombas.com slash egram. Thank you so much Bombas for supporting the podcast and for supporting those in need. Do you find that you're like when you're doing interviews with people and you're going into that place, do you ever have like difficulty with like, how do we talk about the real real, but also honor the good? Like, I feel like sometimes it can feel like authenticity is only about like the hard stuff Mm -hmm. or like I can find myself going there at least like, well, if we're going to be honest, we need to be like, let's get into the dark. Right. I Okay. So this is funny because when you were saying like, it's like you're reading my journal, like now this is like, I always think about this. Like I always (laughs) think about how I, I don't love that authenticity now and honesty and being raw and vulnerable and real has become such a negative thing. Like it's only highlighting negativity Mm. and it's kind of glamorizing negativity and like the bad stuff that happens. And it's kind of hard because like you said, like that is part of it, like a hundred percent, you know, and social media, it's easy to glamorize the good, but I don't think that like good things that happen aren't like real or authentic either. You know, like they are too. They're equally as authentic as the bad that happens. So I do try to be mindful of that and, and talk about, you know, the successes and then ask them like, okay, so what were the challenges behind that? But not ever like negating the successes that came Mm -hmm. because I think that those are so important. I mean, people should be so proud of, of their successes. And I feel like social media always like does, it's like a pendulum swing where we either like highlight (laughs) one thing and it's a bad, and then we try to reverse it and try to like correct it. And then we go (laughs) the opposite way and it's bad. And it's like, why can't we just slowly fix it, but like have a happy medium, which to me would be highlighting your successes, being proud of them, not having people tear you down for them, but then also being like, 
yeah, but this thing is hard. Like it's hard. And it's, I've Mm -hmm. had bad nights too, but like, man, I'm so proud of like where I am now, you know? So Mm -hmm. I try to, I think about that a lot actually. So it's funny that you said that. Well, I think like this is really on my mind right now because I watched, there's this girl who I'm a patron of. She's like a Patreon and she did a video about like reaching a certain number on her Patreon. And she was like, just fully emoting, like cried in the video and was just like, I am so overwhelmed. This is how much this has meant to me. I can't believe that we're here. I can't believe how much we've done. I never thought, I thought I was nobody. I never thought I'd get to do this. And it was in that moment, I was like watching her and I was like, I, I, I hide my successes sometimes because Mm -hmm. I feel like it's unlikable or something, you know, like I'm supposed to be talking about how hard things are all the time. And I watched her and I was like, I am only rooting for her. Like watching her be this thrilled. And like, when, even when you said like, I love my job, like I get to do this job and I love my job. It reminded me of like, oh yeah, we're allowed to love our jobs. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like very like, I don't want to say the word cool, but it's like celebrated. I don't know if celebrate is the right word, but you, I feel like your engagement goes up or whatever when you're talking about like you having a bad day or you hating something or you, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. and I understand that it's because people do glamorize their lives on social media. Like I completely Mm -hmm. understand where it comes from, but then Mm -hmm. I think it's like, we feel shame for celebrating and we feel shame for like launching something. Like Mm -hmm. I have to tell myself like not to feel bad when Rella launches to like announce that I've worked so hard on this and like, Mm -hmm. I'm so excited that it's launching, you know, like I'm, it's like a nervous to say that like, that's, but I, I, I'm not nervous to, for example, like I just went on my Instagram story and like I said, I was breaking out earlier. I have mm-hmm. a lot of like small breakouts on my cheeks, but I like was on with no makeup, like showing my breakouts. And I know that some of, I've, I've gotten the responses before that's like, oh, I'm so happy that you like vlog without your makeup. Like it makes me mm-hmm. feel like less alone, which don't get me wrong. I love that. I think that that should be so celebrated and like not you know, I'm so happy that I'm able to, you know, show my skin and stuff like that. But to me at this point with social media, I'm not even nervous about that anymore. I'm more nervous Mm -hmm. to have like a face of makeup and like, look, you know, a certain way because people are going to say something like people are gonna be like, Oh, you're so fake. Like, why do you feel the need to do that? Because of this and this and this, like I recently got, and this is something that I'm open about on YouTube, but on my forehead, I got like the Botox for the first time for, to get Mm -hmm. rid of like forehead lines. I don't think everyone should get that. That's not something that I'm like promoting or anything like that. But I know people are going to be like, oh my God, like, why would you do that? Blah, 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 blah. But then if I show up like with no makeup on, I'm not even nervous about that anymore because I know people are going to be like, oh, I love that you're like sharing your real skin. Like, it's like when you're like, yeah, looking bad, people celebrate or when you're like, I don't know how to describe it because it's not... Like you get what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think there's some element. I think that there's an internal experience with it that we make, we're doing to ourselves where it's like, oh, what if no one will like me if I'm doing well? That's mm-hmm. one thing. But then I think there is like a cultural phenomenon around um, demanding authenticity to the point where we are um, just finding another way to criticize women. Oh, because 
we're not yeah. doing this to men, right? Like we're not being like, you showed up a little bit off today and I didn't like your tone. Like we're just still finding ways to be mad at women for stuff. Oh my God. A hundred percent. And I always say this, like the, it, when you see, um, like other like men on YouTube, for example, they're so out there. They're so loud. They're so like energetic and enthusiastic and they act like they are like God's gift to the world. I feel like mm-hmm. sometimes and people love them. They are at the top of their field. They're making so much money. They're mm-hmm. so successful. And then if you have a woman that is semi-confident in herself, all the comments are like, ugh, like, blah, blah, blah. you know, like trying yeah. to get her like off her high horse or something. And it's, mm-hmm. I mean, sadly, it's like other women doing it to women. Like, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. There are men that also will tear you down, but like my audience is mainly women. So mm-hmm. The people that are tearing me down are not other men for the most part. So it's sad. It's like, you, why are you not like allowing yeah. women to be successful? Like mm-hmm. you want them to be, but then you tear them down when they are. It's like, it's, mm-hmm. you realize that you're doing it to yourself at that point. Like you're doing it or not to yourself, but you're like hurting the cause. Yeah. Okay. So I have a theory and we're going to start somewhere weird here and it's going to make sense in a second. Um, I feel the most bad for horse girls, girls in like high school or middle school who are really into horses get a bad rap. And I, it's like the fact that there's a term horse girl Mm -hmm. basically is implying that like their interest, their hobby, their sport is somehow trivial compared to like hobbies and sports that like men would be more drawn to. And like a man who rides horses isn't called a horse man, you know, so there's this piece like we don't call cowboys and guys who have like pictures of horses and antlers and all of that stuff like or fear guys or fish on their Facebook (laughs) profile picture their dating apps like (laughs) yeah and I I kind of think my theory and this is my first time publicly saying this my theory is that influencers are the adult version of horse girls where we say this isn't a business. You're just like doing your little influencer thing and not taking them seriously because it's a primarily female driven industry. And because women are doing it, we trivialize it and call it influencer. But when a man does it, we call him a leader. Oh yeah. No, a hundred percent. Again, like there was actually an article that came out once. So it, there was an article that is a must read. I don't know where, where it's from, but if I have it, I'll send it to you. It's pretty much like if the influencer industry was male dominated, it would look a lot different today. And I totally agree. But there was another article where I and a few of my peers were interviewed um, because we had quit our jobs. So we had quit our jobs to do YouTube full time. So there was one uh, female journalist that wanted to interview us on it. And when she did, she pretty much, it was like a bashing article Um, and where she would just like, she just bashed us for like quitting our jobs, being unrelatable, thinking like our lives are like cool when really what made us relatable in the first place was having a career completely just like a complete bash. I was so upset when I, when I saw it and like she, we talked for like 30 minutes on the phone for her to get quotes. And she used literally like maybe one quote from the phone call because nothing else I said, like fit her narrative, I guess. But she wrote this piece and then her examples of people that were like successful on YouTube because they have like a niche and because they have, um, uh, they're like popular in their industry and like they, you know, 
whatever. Like they're examples of people that were successful that she was like kind of praising for quitting their jobs were all men. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. men. It was oh Cody Co for having, you know, his software engineering job and Noel or Noel for having his software engineering job and like quitting that and doing it. But they have like a niche. And then like James Charles, which now, I mean, aged right. poorly, but like <laughs> James Charles as an example. And like mm-hmm. Shane Dawson and like all of the, it's just oh, like. Also aged poorly. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, like. It's It's one of those things things that's like, like, okay, you are taking like five females, females, five five women, and bashing them for like literally making a career out of this because of interests that might not seem like serious to you, and then praising only men. Mm. And then you – like she had other articles about like being a feminist, and I was like, this is so insulting to me. Like I don't Mm -hmm. understand how you don't see the contradiction here. Like – yeah. It, it just like was a really upsetting article. I remember reading it at the time and I had drafted this like super long email to send to her. And then I was like, I'm just, it's not worth it. Like, I'm just going to let it go. But <laughs> if it's, if it was men that were interested in this, it would be taken a lot more seriously. Mm-hmm. I am with you. And like, if we need to start, like, I am ready for us to make this just changing the narrative around what it means to make money online and do this as your career. Like the idea that she implied that you quitting your job to do that full time was a failure in any way is Mm -hmm. insane. I know it was just like, why? And also like what I don't mean, I don't know what like journalistic ethic is, but when you're asking someone to speak to them and then you like go and like write an article that was like totally left out of left field, I'm like, okay, that's interesting. I don't know if that's like supposed to happen. I don't know about journalism that much, but like, I was like, that's interesting. Like I didn't know that this was going to be a negative article. Yeah. And it's like a, it's a weird thing too. When you're like, yeah, you're not even using anything that I gave you. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So if it was the way, like if we could wave a magic wand and society was like, they got it. Um, how would you, how would we talk about women influencers? Um, I would just say like, not make fun of it. Like not, not to say that it's like, oh, like, man, you got lucky making money off of this or like, oh, wow. Like I can't wait. Or I can't believe you've made money off of like makeup and like blah, blah, blah. Like, or, oh, you think that your life is so special and like you're filming everything for it. You know, like, I think it's very condescending. Like when, Mm -hmm. even if people acknowledge that like you're successful, it's like out of luck or it's like, oh, it's because like that person's pretty or because Mm -hmm. whatever, you know, it's like, or they have, XYZ, you know, it's always like something else. It's never, oh, because like they worked hard or they did this, you know, it's like never acknowledge that they, they were like a hard worker and like they built something, which don't get me wrong. There are so many external factors as well. Like I do not believe it's a hundred percent hard work either. Like there's so many different things that go into it, but I feel like that's never acknowledged in this. Like it's never acknowledged at all. And so I wish that like men or not men, just people in general would stop making fun of things that girls like like yeah Yeah. I like makeup and I like Starbucks and I like um I don't know like having a morning routine and like whatever and making TikToks you're not 
putting that same energy for guys that are obsessed with fantasy football and like, you <laughs> yeah. know what I'm saying? Like the amount of energy put into that is such a good point. Like guys literally have like group messages and phone calls and dedicate hours and hours of their life on these men playing a sport. Like I just, so what if I follow like Kylie Jenner and I like care about what she's up to, you care about mm-hmm. the NBA and like the NFL. Like I just like, I, I don't understand why one is more trivial than the other. Like it's mm-hmm. the same thing to me. Yeah. I feel like a lot of times to, when we were talking earlier about just like people commenting on like things that we do or like things that you do. um, I thought about how in the Enneagram, a lot of times I'll talk about how we, we limit in others what we limit in ourselves. So like I'm a type seven. So we're like positive thinking, good things all day. And I can like really limit other people's ability to feel their negative emotions. Like I'll try to like fix them. Mm -hmm. And, um, then like my friends who are type three, they'll like limit my, like my ability to rest sometimes. Cause they'll, they'll like always have new ideas for me, always wanting to like push me further. And, um, and like how we limit in ourselves. And I think that's like kind of the thing happening with women. It's like, we're, we're taught that we're supposed to stay small and we're supposed to be like chill and like cool and like a certain kind of person in order to be worthy of good things and worthy of love. And so, because we feel that we're not allowed to have it, we want to like shut it down in other women who are more liberated or feel more free to share and put themselves out there. I could not agree more. Like you said it spot on. I need to download the MP3 file to this podcast and like take quotes and like (laughs) use them because like these are the, like it's so spot on. And like, even when you said with like, what um your type three friends like limit your ability to rest and always come up with ideas for you I am such a pusher when it comes to that with like my friends or like people that I care about I'm like no you have to do this you have to do that like do you not see this opportunity I'm like (laughs) (laughs) so I'm like exactly like that and I think it makes sense with why other women do that to other women because they feel that way themselves Mm -hmm. and I think yeah with and I think with our threes too. I just want to be clear that sometimes that's exactly what your friends need. And sometimes it's like when it's like the right time, it's the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of the same for me. Like I, my positive thinking can sometimes be the right thing for people. And sometimes it's, it's not, it's not. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I yeah. never thought about, about it that way, but you hit the nail on the head. That's so spot on. Um, so Natalie, I have had so much fun talking to you. Are you ready to do rapid fire questions? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. The first book that comes to mind. Ooh, seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm, I love that one. A favorite song. Oh my gosh. I'm like blinking. Um, I'm going to say I've been listening to Stay by Justin Bieber lately. Love. Something you wish people knew about you. That I am actually very introverted. Hmm. Um, your dream day, what are you doing? Ooh, my dream day is having a morning routine with like a cup of coffee, having quiet time, you know, doing a workout and just having all day to like do nothing and like go and explore wherever I am, like go out and about, explore, go on walks, have a nice dinner and just relax. Mm. Your final meal, what are you eating? Ooh, uh, I would say... I love a really good like steak and like side of potatoes. <laughs> I know that sounds like so random, but that's like my favorite meal, like steak, potatoes, and, like mac and cheese or something like that. Like 
a good hefty meal. <laughs> I love that. Do you dip your steak in anything or is it like, like I, what's your steak preference? Yeah, I love like peppercorn steak, like anything that's like a little extra salty and like peppery. And then I love like a chimichurri sauce. So like if it's like a skirt steak with like chimichurri sauce yeah. or like rice and beans on the side. Oh, so good. Oh my gosh, that sounds so good. Really good. Yeah, I'm like craving it now. (laughs) If people left today kind of thinking about something or holding on to an idea, what would you want them to think about? I would say, honestly, like kind of what we were talking about, how don't put yourself in a box. Don't put yourself, don't make yourself, don't make yourself feel small for others and like allow yourself to like what you like and express that and be happy and celebrate your accomplishments. Like don't let other people feeling small project onto you and make you feel that way. Oof, that is so good. And where can we keep in touch? I want to know how I can get on like the wait list for Rella or how I can like make sure that I don't miss it when it comes out. Yes. So you can actually follow Rella Social at Rella Social on TikTok and Instagram. And you can also sign up to be a user on RellaSocial.com. And you can follow me at Natalie Barbu. And your podcast is The Real Real, R-E-A-L-R-E-E-L, right? Yes. Thank you. I almost forgot. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. This was so fun. Thank you. This was amazing. This was such like a refreshing episode. (laughs) 